You're listening to a podcast from Northeast Christian Church. For more information about Northeast, go to ncclex.org. Thanks for listening. So we're going to finish up this week our series, This Is Us. And hopefully throughout our time this morning, you can come to appreciate and understand just how vital this series is to us as a church moving forward into 2018 and to the larger picture of the future. Uh, you remember the baptism video of Liam? Take you back to that? Take you back two weeks ago when Leah was baptized? And move you ahead a little bit to the future. Two weeks from now, February 11th, when another lady is scheduled to get baptized. Uh, the question arises, all these baptisms, what next? I mean, what do we do with Liam? And Leah and this gal scheduled to get baptized two weeks from now. What do we do with them once they cross over that gap that God provides his cross so that we can bridge that gap, the separation? They walk across. They're in the presence of God. Now what? What's next? You know, it's so easy when someone becomes a Christian or they have that salvation moment, that experience, that joy of getting baptized. It's so easy to just hang out there. And as a church, it's so easy just to allow people to hang out there. You bridge that gap. You're in God's presence, part of the church, part of the kingdom. It's a good spot to be. But now what? We have to take the time to help people give identity to this new direction of their life or give direction to this new identity, identity that they have. And the Bible calls this being saved, where you're moved into the presence of God, but it's not finished your being saved. It also calls this making disciples, which is kind of simple if you think about it. Matthew 28. This is a verse that Monty's been using for the past couple of weeks. Make disciples of all nations. Clear. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Did you see the connection? Make disciples. How? Baptize them And then teach them obedience. Obedience to everything that I've taught, that I've been teaching you, that I've commanded. And that's the purpose of this series. To take people from here to there. To take them from their baptism into their full potential as fresh Christ followers. That's what this series is all about. And I want to point out something. Do you see how simple this can be? We don't want to make it cumbersome or too challenging. But the Great Commission is where you make disciples by baptizing people to have this salvation experience, and then we teach them to have this ongoing spiritual formation. Thus, we're talking about grace and growth, and we'll get into our topic this morning in just a few moments. Uh, Many of you are familiar with a book called Simple Church, where Tom Rainer, president and CEO of Lifeway, and Eric Geiger did some extensive research with 400 churches in North America. And their research came back and it blew them away what they discovered. They discovered that every church that was flourishing, to use their language, every church in North America that was flourishing out of the 400, they had one common denominator. There was a clear process of discipleship, moving people forward in their faith. And it was simple. In other words, they found that their church, these churches, they were reaching people maturing people, and then reproducing this whole process. 
these churches were immersed in this mission and they knew exactly how they were making disciples. And it was simple. It was a simple process for moving people forward. Similarly to the Great Commission being simple, baptize and then teach obedience. Uh, the premise was that people respond to simple, uh, kind of like some of our big businesses in North America. You think about Apple, this advanced technology that anyone can use. It's really simple. Or you think about Papa John's. Notice their tagline, better ingredients, better pizza. Simple. You know what it's about. Think about Google. When you use Google, have you ever noticed how there's so much white space there? There's so much white space because Google thinks, hey, people can't process too much information on the spot. Think about Southwest Airlines, the most profitable airline in North America. And they always have the shortest flights. They go to short, no hubs, shortest distance between two spots. They keep their fares low, most profitable. It's simple. Make disciples, baptize them, and then teach them. And if you think about a discipleship process, what does that look like for a church like Northeast? Where Monty's been hammering home this idea of grace and this idea of growth and what we're going to get to in just a moment. But if you look at a dashboard in a car, I'm sure most of us, you know, you're looking at your dashboard, I bet nearly every single one of us, we give attention to what? Gas and speed. I bet probably 99% or more of us give attention to gas and to speed, and that's rightfully so, because without gas, you're going nowhere, right? That's the equivalent to grace. Without grace, you're going nowhere in your relationship with God and others. That's why Monty hit home this idea that grace is something you and I accept. We embrace it. We learn the ins and outs of it so that we can extend it to other people and we continually live in that give and take for the rest of our physical lives here on earth. We live in grace. What does it mean for me to embrace it? What does it mean for me to extend it? And then he talked about growth. And growth, I think, is related to the speedometer. You keep a check on your speed because depending on where you're going, the road you're on, what the weather conditions are like, sometimes you need to speed up. And sometimes you need to slow down. And that's why we want to value growth because based on the season of life you're in or where you're headed or the roads you're on or what's going on in life right now, there may be some areas in which you need to speed up, take on more responsibility, press the gas a little. Or maybe there's some areas where you need to slow down and back off. And we want to value that. We want to come alongside you and say, hey, what does grace look like in your life right now? What does growth look like in your life right now? This is kind of the idea behind Ephesians 4. You remember that passage? Ephesians 4, Paul says, Christ himself gave the apostles. He gave the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service. And what we've discovered is that as people learn to embrace and extend grace, and they begin growing They began growing in their relationship with Christ. They've been baptized and now they're being taught. What we see that there's this natural understanding where people, it clicks for them. And they start thinking, oh, I need to serve. They grow to this point like, I need to do something. 
I met with a guy last week. He came by the office. We were talking about he wants to get plugged in here at Northeast. And I thought, great person to get him connected with based on what he's saying is Susan, our director of guest services. So we walked down to the front desk, get, get them connected. We're all three talking. And in passing, he makes this comment where he says, you know, I, I give my tithe every week. Every week I give my tithe. But I want to do more. And I love that quote. He gets it. Simply because he follows Jesus, he's supposed to tithe. In other words, there are certain things that you and I do simply because we follow Jesus. I call this service 1.0. Our Lord, our Savior, our leader, by nature, by his very nature, he's a servant. He serves. So as we follow him, our very nature should be that we serve. We grow to that point where we realize, okay, I need to do something. I know I need to. I need to serve. In other words, if there's a need, we meet it. Just like there's needs in Guatemala right now, we have a team there meeting those needs. Uh, Something really neat happened in Northeast. Some people probably wouldn't say neat. I thought it was neat. Uh, Last Thursday, get a text from Jessica. She's mass text to every staff person. If you're here, if you're in the building, can you please come to the east entrance? And we come down. I'm coming down this back stairwell. And I have this little smell going on. Like, what is that? Come down to get to the bottom of the stairs, and I step into water about this deep. We've got a pipe that's busted. It's just spewing water out there. It's crazy. And I did a little video. We didn't have time to get it up on the screen for you. But it was the coolest thing ever. There's this crazy need. I mean, water is just funneling into the foyer and the hallway there. It backs up nearly to the entrance back here from, from this entrance. And I look around and there's firemen, there's a couple of police officers, and then every one of the staff that's here, that they either have towels sopping, sop, sopping up this water, putting them by entrances to the door, or they've got squeegees or mop trying to funnel it to the ex- exit there. Everybody just working together. In other words, there was a need, and everybody came together and chipped in to meet the need. When you experience grace... And you begin to grow, you see, oh, that's kind of what Jesus did. There was a need, and he met it. You and I had a need that we couldn't do alone. We couldn't deal with it alone. And he said, I'm here to help with that. That's just service. And as you embrace grace, extend it, you grow, you get that. But then there's something what I call serving 2.0. If you think about the dashboard again, There's probably another gauge or another light that you're looking at in your car. And maybe I don't focus on the same light because you know your car. You know your vehicle. You know how new it is or how old it is. You know what's going on with it. You know that there may be a funny sound going on. You know there's low, this one tire just can't keep air. You need an oil change. The odometer's about to flip. You're very sensitive to your vehicle. So you keep an eye on this one other area that maybe I don't. And that's what we want to spend the rest of our time talking about. It's kind of how Paul shifts gears. We're prepared for works of service, but as we grow, we're no longer infants. Instead, we grow to become the mature body of Christ as each part does its work. This is serving 2.0. There are certain needs that we all chip in and we meet simply because we serve Jesus. 
And then there's this idea that you and I, every single one of you, we have work to do, specialized, if you will, given to us by God. As Paul would say in Corinthians, God uses the Holy Spirit to give gifts to everyone. So we're talking about spiritual gifts. This idea that we embrace grace, we grow, and then we reach a point to where, hey, I'm fully called into this game. God has equipped me with certain gifts and he expects me to use them. And even now I'm wondering, I'm just wondering if some of you are tuning out when you say spiritual gifts. I was teaching a class not too long ago and I wanted to drop this idea of spiritual gifts kind of in preparation for this morning too just to get people to thinking about it. And when I started talking about spiritual gifts, I noticed a few shoulders started slumping, some eyes were glazed over. I could see people checking out. Some people getting their phones out and starting texting. They weren't into it. And to be honest, as a pastor, I started feeling a little frustrated. I'm like, why is that? Not frustrated with certain people, but frustrated. When you talk about spiritual gifts, it's easy for people to check out. And I want to know why. Why is that? Because, and I want to make a big statement, buckle up for it. You cannot be a fully devoted disciple of Jesus without identifying your spiritual gift and using it. When we talk about community and how important experiencing community is as a church, do you know where the idea of spiritual gifts pop up in Scripture? Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, where Paul is talking about community. You cannot reach your full potential as a follower of Jesus without discovering and deploying your spiritual gift. Scripture does not allow it. It does not allow it. So in this class, I'm like, I just step back and say, help me understand something. Not mad, just curious. When we talk about spiritual gifts, why do some people check out? And my good friend, Sebastian Bryson, he spoke up and he said, David, I think, I think it's like this. When you drop the word spirit, the term spiritual gifts, some people think, what are you talking about? Are you talking about this really odd stuff that we see happening in Scripture sometimes? Or sometimes odd stuff that happens out in the world and people claim that that's something from God? What are you really talking about? So I want to give you a definition of spiritual gifts so that we're all on the same page. You up for that? Now get your pen or pencil, flip your bulletin over. Um, At the risk of sounding too intellectual or very academic, I've weighed this out, I've prayed it, and I've thought, you know what? It's worth the risk. I'm going to give you a very technical, academic definition of spiritual gifts. And I want you to write it down. We'll leave it on the screen for a while. Write it down. Pray over it. Memorize it, okay? A spiritual gift is simply this. A spiritual gift is doing what makes sense for you to be doing. Was that too high? Can we tone it down a little? Is that good? Doing what makes sense for you to be doing doing spiritual gifts, doing what makes sense for you to be doing. Christmas morning, Christmas morning, one of the kids got some electronic device. I don't remember what it was, but as it would be, we didn't have a certain cord. So Michelle sends me to any drugstore that's open, Walgreens, CVS, anywhere around the Helmberg area, trying to find this cord. And nobody has one. I think, oh wait, I've got one in my office. 
So I swing by over here. I come in the east entrance, and would you know that there are two families over here? And this is like 8 a.m. There are two families here Christmas morning bump into each other. You know, obviously I ask, hey, what are you guys up to? And they tell me that they're doing some prep work for some people they're going to be serving in just a couple of hours. Christmas morning, there are people here preparing to serve. And as I listened to the conversation, it was so clear that they were excited. They were so eager to do what they were going to do. That's a spiritual alignment. That's a spiritual gift. You're aligned with God in that capacity. It makes sense. I'm not going to tell you who it was. It makes sense for those two families to be here on Christmas morning doing what they're doing. Now, me, I wouldn't have even thought to be here Christmas morning. I'm going to be with my family. That's what I'm going to do. It wouldn't make sense. You think about David. You remember David? Remember the story of David and Goliath? that whole issue, and Saul's kind of being a weak king, and he's hanging back and really not attacking like he should. So David comes on, he's like, hey, I'll take on this giant Goliath. And Saul straps him with all of his personal armor and sword and all that stuff, and David feels loaded. He walks around with it a little bit, and finally he throws it all off. You remember that story? And here's what he says, 1 Samuel 17. He says, I can't move. I can't move with all this stuff on. I'm just not used to it. It's not me. It makes no sense for me to be wearing this, trying to fight this giant. But for David, it makes a lot of sense for him to get a sling and five smooth stones and go out to battle. So a check-in question with you, not what makes sense for me or for anyone else, but what makes sense for you, for you to be doing What makes sense for you to be doing? When God gives us spiritual gifts, I think he brings clarity. It gets cloudy when we look at someone else and say, well, you know what, I I really can't do that. Or I'm not good at that. That's okay. What makes sense for you to be doing? I was talking with my daughter, Lee, over the past couple of weeks. And it became so clear to me how cool this is, her experience of getting baptized and moving forward. Um, Several months ago, we were talking, and she was like, I've got this stirring. I know I need to do something. And we're chatting about her future. And her comment was, Daddy, I I just want to have a voice. I want to speak into other people's lives. And I want to tell them, here's what she wants to tell them. I want to tell them, it doesn't have to be this way. It doesn't have to be this way. Now, that may not make much sense to you, but you think about it. I'll remind you. Leah grew up in a home where her mom and dad, they were not both present 24-7. She has a different view, a different perspective, a different understanding about life, and she sees that playing out in the lives of other people, her peers, maybe family, maybe friends. And she wants a voice where she says, hey, it doesn't have to be this way. That makes sense. What makes sense for you to be doing? And are you doing it? Are you doing it? We want you to embrace grace so that you can extend it. We want you to grow. And then we want you to be in tune with your spiritual gift and using it.
And then we want to repeat that process with other people. We want everyone to know, Northeast, that's what we're about. You come and understand the dynamics of grace. Meet you right where you are. And then we've got, we've got things in motion to help you grow to the next level. And then we've got opportunities for you to discover why you were put on this planet so that we can help you do that. We want to bring out the energy and talent of every single person who comes to the Northeast. So a couple things I want you to do. A couple things I want you to do. Number one, I want you to pray. I want you to pray that this isn't just another January series, just another, hey, kicking off a new year type series. I want you to pray that this language of grace and growth and gifts, it permeates our church so that when you hear those words, you think of specific things going on here. Here's why I want you to pray about it. Acts 4, the early church. Acts 4. Acts is all about the early church, the early Christ followers. Acts 4 says the believers were one in heart and one in mind. One in heart and one in mind. I think churches all the time, they get the heart right. We get the heart being one in heart. We get that. We get that just by default, if you will. It often comes naturally. But the one in mind sometimes is a little more evasive. Uh, The word actually is where we get our word psyche, the individual personality. So all the believers, all these individual personalities come together as one. And there's a focus. There's an understanding. There's one in purpose, one in how we do things. So I want you to pray that Northeast, not to say it's not, say we take it to the next level in 2018, that we are a church that is one in heart and mind, purpose, where we bring all these individual personalities together and we move forward together. And when you invite someone to Northeast, what's going on? Oh man, there are people experiencing grace, lives being changed. You wouldn't believe the growth that's occurring. We see it happening in people's lives. There's being transformed. People are getting in touch with why they were put on this planet and they're excelling in this. It's crazy what's going on here. God is blessing this place. We pray that this is us really becomes this is us. And number two, I want you to plan. I want you to plan for this little class we've got in the mix. Uh, we've got a lady, Kim Stoltzfus. She's very familiar with this idea of shape. And she's volunteered to lead a class for us. We'll give you more information later. But right now, mark on your calendar, February 24th. February 24th. She's going to walk us through this idea of shape. Where you find your spiritual gift through really thinking, what's my heart like? What's heavy on my heart? What breaks my heart? Where you understand, what are my abilities What's my attitude? What's my personality like? My life experience, just like Leah, my life experience, how does all of that channel into this idea of spiritual giftedness? And if you're familiar with this, uh, spread the word. This is a phenomenal way to get people thinking about their spiritual gifts. But will you pray or will you plan? Can you do one of those two things for us or both? Okay, a couple of things I want you to know. A couple of things I want you to know. This blows my mind. I remember early on, being a pastor early on, 
it would be a great service. Things were going great. I felt good connection with uh, the people. And then there would be some form of criticism. And it tuned my attention over the years that this happens frequently. And I don't know where it comes from. But sometimes when something goes really well or someone does a really good job at something, there's criticism that follows. That blows my mind. I don't understand it at all. When someone is doing what makes sense for them to be doing and someone challenges that or criticizes it, what's up with that? I don't get it unless it's rooted in some form of twisted spiritual insecurity or a lack of awareness of how spiritual gifts operate, I don't get it. I don't get it. So I want you to know that it is perfectly okay. It is God honoring and it is expected of every Christ follower to know what you should be doing and doing it. And if you do it well, praise God. Second thing I want you to know Second thing I want you to know is that every single one of us, we've been called into ministry. Every one of us. Not just paid staff, not just elders. Every one of us. But that's not a scary thing. That's not a scary thing. Been meeting with a guy every Thursday for a while, and he's in a little bit of a transition. And he's plugged into a ministry, not a paid ministry, just a servant at heart. And he is doing what makes sense for him to be doing. I'm chatting with this guy a couple of weeks ago, and he has a job offer on the table, and we're working through that. And he makes this comment. He said, it's hard, though, because once you've done ministry, you don't go back. It's too fulfilling. Then he said, ministry, it changes you. It changes you. I pray that every single one of us can echo that because you're doing what makes sense for you to be doing and you understand that fulfillment and the change it's bringing about in you. And when someone wants you to do something else, you're like, oh, I just don't know if I can because I've been changed by this whole dynamic of working in my giftedness. So with grace and growth and gifts, you and I, we make disciples. We baptize them and then we teach them obedience to everything Jesus taught. And we move the great commission forward. Grace, growth, and gifts. This is us. Father, we thank you. Thank you for not just calling us out of darkness, just not calling us across the bridge, not just calling us into your presence, which would have been so sufficient, more than enough. But you've tapped us on the shoulder and said, hey, I've I've got a direction for you. I've got some stuff I want you to be doing. And if you'll take the time to just sit back, listen, do a little research, thinking, praying, reading, it'll make sense to you. Father, thank you for inviting us into the game, this disciple-making game. Uh, We want to thank you for your grace. Our prayer this morning is that everybody present has embraced internally your amazing grace. 
and that that's the premise of transformation for our lives. We pray, Father, that we understand exactly what that means so that when we leave this building, we know how to extend it to other people. Father, our prayer is that we'll check in on our discipleship dashboard and be honest about areas where we need to speed up or slow down so that we can grow. We can grow as your people. And Father, we don't want to stop there. We want to get in touch with how you've gifted us. And it doesn't look like other gifts, obviously. We're all different. You give us different gifts. We want to know that it's okay to find out what makes sense for us to be doing and that it's okay to do that and to do it well. So Father, we ask you to bless us with wisdom and insight and strength and understanding and everything else we need so that Northeast reaches her full potential for the year of 2018. And we make disciples with this simple, intentional process of moving people through grace, growth, and gifts. Father, help that to become us. But may it be for your glory. In the name of your Son, we pray and we praise you. If you want to talk more about your giftedness or serving, I'll be over here to your right. Uh, Please, let me know what's stirring in your heart and mind.